guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and welcome to Amateur All Tours. You can follow us on Twitter at All Tours Pod, email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at the Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. And it would also mean a lot to us if you could leave a rating or a, a like or a review on whatever platform of the show you listen to. Uh, again, I want to welcome back Jake. Uh, you are officially a podcaster now, two episodes in a row, and you know, it's going to just, the, the number's going to keep piling on, but you went from a special guest to now pretty much like a co-host. So, yo, Jake, congratulations. You're a podcaster now. <laughs> Thank you. you. You have no idea how happy I am to hear that. That's wonderful. I was talking to my dad before. He goes, so so what are you considered on this podcast? He's like a co, and he said a co-host. And I'm like, I think I'm kind of just like a, a guest right now. And, you know, now all of my, uh, now I could go downstairs later and clear that up for him. So thank you, Mike. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm definitely glad to hear that. So, and Jake, I asked you this all fair, but um, what'd you think of, you know, your first podcast? Like, what was that experience like? And, and I know, like, listening to it, like, what'd you have to, what, what'd you think about that? And just because, you know, you are new to the podcasting game. What did you think? I, I had a ball. I really did. I remember sitting there, you know, 10 minutes before, you know, you shot me the text like, hey, are you still good to go? And I was like, yeah, I'm good to go. And then I'm sitting there in my chair waiting for like your invite to get started. And I'm like, I'm shaking because I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, well, what about this? And what about this? And I didn't know, like, you know, it was brand new. I've never done it before. But then like within five minutes of it basically just became like riffing with my buddy about like a movie that we both really enjoyed. So like before I even knew it, I was like, I'm just talking to Mike. It's no big deal. (laughs) Yeah, so stick back in school. Exactly. Yeah, it was fun. And then it was fun to go back and listen to it. Like I was saying, you know, we talked about it. I listened to it the next day and it was like a whole brand new thing for me just because, you know, there was the excitement of being in it and then the excitement of then listening to it and being like, oh, yeah, that was a pretty good point or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's, again, it's, I just want to reiterate, and I'll probably keep reiterating it throughout the, the whole, like this show is like, it's, it's great to have you on, but now Thanks. we'll get into our, our next movie and our, and our journey. Like we're just taking those first steps and, you know, so this week we're going to be talking about the first Captain America, the first Avenger. And this came out in 2011. And just in case it, it wasn't clear, we're going now we're going to go in the chronological order of the MCU universe. Not so much when these movies were released, but the order of events in this universe. So, yeah, so now we're going back to World War Two and. I and I I gotta say I'm I was really looking forward to this one. I love World War II, uh, and Captain America is one of those heroes that I've been wanting to watch for a while. Um, whenever Winter like Winter Soldier came out, the Avenger movies, like even just seeing Chris Evans, I was like, man, I should really get to Captain America soon. And I don't know why I didn't. I th- again, I think it goes into the whole reason I I gave last week of the films just kept adding up and adding up. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to have the context. And, and I just, and I, and especially with Captain America, I'd seen all the CGI stuff, like kind of the Benjamin button at CGI as we'll call it. (laughs) Uh, And we will definitely talk about that stuff, but I, and I kept seeing this and, and like visual artists breaking down the effects and when it really works and when it doesn't and and their opinions of it. So I I had a lot of anticipation going to this movie. And so before we get into that, Jake, uh, I have two questions for you. Uh, And I feel like I'm going to ask you this since you are like the mega fan describing your first time watching whatever movie we're talking about, as well as, and and I'm going to add to that for this particular movie is that you had some choice words about the first Avenger. And I'm just curious as to 
why you you had those thoughts because uh after the iron man episode we got off and immediately started playing xbox and you you kind of voice these concerns uh, again so i'm just curious so what was so two questions what was your first time describe that first time watching this film and those uh those ideas that you had going into this particular viewing sure thing um yeah to be totally honest with you i don't remember all too well my first time with this film um i think it wasn't it was one of the few that i did not see in the theaters um just and I, I don't know if I have a good reason for that, but I know the first time I watched it was probably, you know, with my parents in the living room. And it, I don't know. It, it's just, it, I'm sure I liked it back then a little bit more than I do now. And that's not to say that I dislike it. It's just like I've said before, it's not, you know, in my opinion, one of the better Marvel movies. And we, we alluded to this before, and I, you know, I'll say, I'll, we'll get into that in a second, but we'll just strict with my uh, opinions of it. Um, it, it feels lackluster to me. I, I don't know what it is about it, but it, it just, you know, you have Iron Man, which feels like, like a, a cannon shot out of the gate. And then you get into this movie and it, it's just lacking something. And I don't know what it is because I like Chris Evans as Captain America. I really do. And this movie has a pretty good cast in my opinion, but it it just feels like they're trying to get something going that they it's just struggling a little bit. I, I don't know. I I can't pinpoint it and I I've got notes here and we'll dive into all of that, but just something about it doesn't, you know, have that huge like glowing Marvel uh, heading over it for me. Um, it, it felt like something that they had to do just to, you know, make this whole universe make sense rather than the, the you know, punch that it needed to get going. I, I don't know if, um, you know, I might be alone in that, but from what I understand, it's not, not a lot of Marvel fans are huge on this one. You know, his character development is impressive, but it doesn't leap off the page from his first movie. Yeah, and you mentioned character development, and, and I'll get into that in a second, because I feel like, especially for these first few movies, we are we are really going to focus on these origins, especially like the first like 40 minutes. So, so far, I mean, I'm not going to say there's going to be a pattern, but for Iron Man, the first 40, 45 minutes was this, we're setting up the arc for Tony Stark. And now I feel like in, in uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, we are setting up what will be the arc that is setting up uh, Chris Evans' arc throughout this, but also like this is his starting point. And and I do I I have to say I'll tease it a little bit. I do have some choice words about his starting point, but um I, I understand what you're saying. But I think that we are going to be focused on these, especially for right now. Uh, I I do want to say before getting like deep diving, my initial impression is that we are off to a really great start, uh, just from the first two movies and. I can see, I'm starting to see, well, not starting to see, but I, I can understand why people really enjoy these movies. Like I said, I was never a snob about these movies, but um, I never had experienced them, so I never really bought into it. But now I'm like, okay, these are just fun, like truly comic book movies that I'm hoping become elevated because I feel like if they're just comic book movies, I'm going to be worn down by the 20th movie. But 
you know, as starting, especially in this chronological order, I'm having a really great time. So let's uh, well, let's jump. Oh, yeah, yes. No, uh, yeah, I'm definitely glad to hear that. And, and let me say, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. And I think also just, you know, as an aside, some of my distaste for this movie comes from, you know, I've seen, you know, I know where this all ends up and I know what happens later on and you know the the grandeur and spectacle of it all so you know going back to point it's like going back to play a really old video game like yes it's still fun and you still have some love for it but like the graphics aren't as good things like you know it's just it's not as grandiose as other things are so it it seems to lack a little something at times that's I think where part of my opinion comes from looking back on this movie rather than seeing it for the first time again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I feel, I, I, I think I, that's a really good analogy to describe. I think this movie, because I think once we go through this process, I'll probably look back with very, uh, very similar mindset. So I feel like let's, uh, let's jump, jump straight into this and especially the origin. So, well, so Jake, what is, and I feel like I'm going to ask you this too. What is Captain America, the first Avenger about just very, blanket statements what what is this movie about um okay yeah steve rogers uh captain america is you know our setting is world war ii he desperately wants to you know he's just all around a good guy like everything about him good guy and he wants to serve and protect his country because that's what you know men are doing at this time or you know young men are doing at this time and he wants to be a part of that unfortunately he can't um due to medical conditions and things along those lines he becomes you know the super soldier that he is through experimentation he goes off and fights you know a secret nazi fashion faction and uh you know becomes the american hero that we all know and love of captain america yeah i think that's a very good description of this movie and now i want to go back now let's the first thing i want to talk about with captain america is so we get this our introduction to him. Steve Rogers is not the Chris Evans that we know and, and love. He's not this big hall. No, yeah. He looks like Mike when he, the first uh, freshman year at college, Jake. Um, and that's, I mean, yeah, but uh, you know, very, you know, skinny, thin guy, not very tough. Um, and we're introduced to him and, you know, he's, Throughout this whole bit, he, in uh, I guess Brooklyn or New York, he's getting the, ki- the crap kicked out of him. He can't back down from a fight. He wants to enlist. He's he's lying to get enlisted, but you know they're seeing through all of this stuff. And and let's this is the first bit where we can start talking about the CGI. As I alluded to earlier, the Benjamin Button, you know, using a body double superimposing Chris Evans' face onto this. Now I, I have seen a lot of in-depth analysis of like how they did this stuff so jake what was your impression of the cgi like just right off the bat did it work for you did it not um i remember you know before i really knew what chris evans or captain america looked like i remember you know on my first playthrough this is tough like something's off about this you know person like something's just weird And then, you know, you see what, you know, he really is and you go, okay, that, that looks more natural to me now. And then, you know, of course I know what Chris Evans actually looks like and you do too. So now going back to watch, watch this again, it's harsh, man. I cannot take this like 
skinny Chris Evans character seriously. Like young, scrawny Steve Rogers does not work for me. And, and I know, you know, they tried and they only had to do it for less than probably what, like a quarter of the movie, but it just, it falls flat for me. I don't know how else they could have done it, but it, it was harsh in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I it, it goes, it either works for me or it really doesn't. Um, I think in motion, it works really well. Uh, like when he's fighting and, and uh, you know, when he's sitting and, but when you get these close-ups, I think, so humans are very good at catching the uncanny valley when you just look at something and you know it's not real and it like and it just triggers that that thing in your brain where you're just like this isn't right something's not right, right. about this it's it's our ability to recognize faces and, and it's how we can determine threats and stuff like that very simplistic version of explaining that but <laughs> well you nailed it yeah, yeah i'm just a genius but um but anyway so i <sighs> I think his head is too big. I think that's the, that, like, yeah. it, it just, it just doesn't look natural. Uh, but, but that being said, I think the ambition was really interesting in that I, I think, so they used the body double and he, yes. at, he, they pulled like a social network type deal when, you know, the body double would act out the scene and then Chris Evans would act out the scene. So they would have like uh, references for the lighting and things like that. And then they would superimpose the body on there, even going as far, uh, like, uh, for example, when Steve is struggling with pushups in basic, they had Chris Evans like do the struggle with the pushups and, you know, do the, the, the facial expressions, which is funny seeing like that big hulking mass of a dude, like quote unquote, struggling, struggling through push-ups. a couple pushups. Yeah. Um, but, but they, you know, it's the thought in the intention was there and I was thinking, okay, like that's, I like that. I really do like that. Um, and, but then, you know, and that's where I'm kind of thinking, am I giving the movie too much? Because I know the passion that went into it or like not maybe not the passion but just you know the work that went into it uh mm-hmm. there's this there's this uh actually the the guys that broke the, the main channel that i watch break this down on youtube is called corridor digital and they have a series of uh vfx artists react to good and bad cgi they've also elevated to stuntmen react and things like that and so they actually broke the scene down and one of the guys ren he actually did a ted talk on I think it was like bad CGI and he's essentially saying like no one wants to create bad CGI. And that's the problem is when an audience sees bad, like quote unquote bad CGI, they just think like every people got lazy, but it's like, there's so much work that goes into that quote unquote bad CGI. So he was trying to give a Ted talk to rethink the, uh, the work of visual artists or artistry. So I don't know if I'm giving the movie that or not, but like I said, I, but to wrap it back, I think it all, it, it, it works and doesn't work in, in specific scenes. Uh, the one scene, with that. the one scene that works for me in particular is when he gets into the fight with the, the one guy in the movie theater. And this is right. like the first thing that the first, I think it comes in three um, in that, you know, he grabs, a sh- he grabs a trash can and that's his like first shield. It's just this flimsy piece of shit. The second one, which I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but, and oh, I'll well, get to the second one. On yeah. that scene right there, you, you you remember what he says? No, I do not. I watched this a few days ago, and I was thinking, I can do this all day. Okay, Keep that right, in right. your head, Mike. That's all I'm gonna say is I can do this all day. I can do this all day. All right. Um. 
All right, that's a that's a. I'll try and remember that because I, I watched this a few days ago, and I and I was watching it in my bed at night, and I was like, man, I probably should be taking notes, but I think that like that scene. So this is the first instance of the shield. Instead of yeah, instead of uh, you know, jumping ahead to this like all the other instances, let's just go one at a time. So this is his first instance, and I think it's fitting. He's a scrawny guy. He grabs the first thing he can find. It's a flimsy garbage uh, garbage pail uh, can top. Yeah. So. And then we get introduced to Bucky, his best friend who got enlisted, essentially. I don't remember what branch, I guess the army. And, you know, he's about to ship out. So he wants to take him out uh, with these girls and, you know, try and lift the spirits. Also his last night in town before he ships out. So, you know, we get all this kind of fluff character building. This is like you said, Jake, he, Captain America is such a good guy. Yeah. And, and I'm going with it. Yes, <laughs> yes, but I'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, specific, I'll get to it at boot camp because um, I—that's when I want to bring it up. So he—he's such a good guy. He just—he's self-selfless, thinking about the thinking about the world. He's not thinking about the glory. He's not thinking about you know being the protector. He just well, a protector in the sense that he wants to do good, but not in like the vain sense of like he's a true altruist which is you know debate like you can philosophers have been debating if there is a true altruist and i think we have him right here oh with cat yes absolutely captain america and it's the whole idea of why he was selected for this super soldier project so he definitely tries he tries to make another go while on this date uh with bucky and these two like bimbo random girls and <laughs> and he and he tries to enlist but I, I do want to say this is where we uh, we are introduced to Tony Stark's father, and I I do like this when when he came on I was like oh Stark Industries like the whole world is 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 super modernized it's kind of like it's it's a idealistic version of it, it, it you know what it reminds me of Jake it reminds me of like the Fallout uh, the Fallout universe like yeah this pre-war. this time period that yeah that, that's a really good way to put it I remember even when I was watching this uh, last night I was like it's a little Fallout-esque here I mean it's time period but even yeah with what Stark's trying to do with that uh, um, I'm you know I don't know this for sure but the technology he's using for that hover car like with the I forget what he called it exactly but it's basically repulsor tech and that's you know that's a lot of what Iron Man is and does too. So that's, um, it's interesting to see that common thread now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is where I thought we were going to get a little bit more into, I was like, Oh, he's harvesting the power of the atom or something like that. And then this is when, instead of, cause it seems like he's not, well, now nah, he is a weapons uh, dealer. I think in this movie, they kind of allude to that or if they do, if they don't directly state it, but, um, but I do like the whole point is I do like, oh, okay, this is Tony Stark's father. We're going to see what this guy is like. Maybe some predictions are going to come true. I don't know, but we'll see. I, I'm sure we're going to come back to this. This isn't the last time we're going to see Tony Stark's father, I'm sure. But um, so I just wanted to bring that interlude up pretty briefly. So then, you know, he tries to get back in and Stanley Tucci comes back as the scientist. Um, I do not I, I don't remember his name, but that's really not that important to know, know his name, but, but basically we're introduced to him as, you know, he used to work for the bad guys. Now he works for the good guys. Exactly. And so, and, and he, and he, 
specifically wants to choose Steve Rogers because of like essentially the the goodness and in the pure heart that he exhumes and and just like and and we'll figure out a little bit why later on uh specifically why Steve and why being good is super important in the super soldier experiment but here we get fast tracked to to boot camp and it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Heartbreak Ridge or wait no that's not no, what is that movie called with uh, the other Spider-Man? Hacks, Hacksaw Ridge. That's the movie we were thinking of. So, yes. uh, but anyway, like besides, like it's it's it just reminds me of those like stereotypical boot camp movies. You know, the main it character is. is you know struggling behind, it and Steve should be struggling because he has he's an asthmatic. He has all these problems. X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you name it, he's got it. But he won't but he won't give up. He won't, and, it's not in his nature and that's not in Captain America's nature. And that's also kind of, as you alluded to, not in the nature of what they're looking for in a super soldier. Which then, well, I guess, well, cause this raised um, an idea for me. Cause I was like, well, if Steve is like the candidate that they are going to choose and like, why are they choosing these other people? Is it to push him? Is it to challenge him? Is it to like reserves? Because the whole intention was to make, you know, like squad squadrons of super soldiers. And were these guys just like the reserves? Like, we'll just pull them whenever. Because immediately, think, oh yeah, Jake? I, I think it was kind of just like a bureaucratic thing. You know, Stanley Tucci's character brought in Steve as his prime choice. And, you know, Tommy Lee Jones brought in a couple guys and, you know, a Senator here sent in these guys. And it's, you know, it, it's just that bureaucratic BS that eventually has to get weeded out. I, I kind of feel like that's how that whole portion of this boot camp um, test developed. Yeah. And, and the first thing immediately is like all the, well, not all the guys, but that like one dude is a dick to him right off the bat. Yeah, uh, the one soldier who apparently is like the top, the top candidate. He's like number two next to Steve. Uh, he's Tommy Lee uh, Jones's first Choice. guy that yeah. he wants to do. So we get this montage. Steve isn't backing down. I do really like that one segment when they're going on a run and says, "Oh, whoever can climb, can climb this uh, this flagpole and get the flag gets a ride back to basic or get back to camp." And he's like, "Oh, no one's been able to get that flag and." 40 years or however long it's been yeah, and then yeah. steve just walks up and he just like he just untethers the pole and the pole falls down picks up the flag and then gets in the truck and just very smooth he doesn't bring attention to it he says here you go gets in and and then you know they nod and we are also missing a character introduction of peggy what is peggy peggy, peggy carter that's it peggy carter yep agent carter uh which is a whole spin-off show too Oh really? I did not. I was not aware of that, which I should have seen yeah. coming. But um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we get introduced to this uh this British agent. I don't. I don't know if I'm thinking of like Call of Duty, like SAS, but um, <laughs> whatever the task force is from there. But she's this, you know, this this uh, British agent that's come over to you know allies, gonna work on this project together. And yeah, I don't really. I don't really know how I feel about her character. I mean, I like her very strong uh, female character in the in the beginning of this movie. I'm going with her there. But as the film goes on, I'm definitely going to start questioning her as a character. Uh, not so much on what she does, but just her like motivations and how she reacts to things. Kind of bugs me. Mm -hmm. um, okay. 
but yeah, so, you know, we're just going through basic and, but let's fast forward to the, cause you know, the, the, we pretty much summed up the first 30 minutes or so of this movie, you right. know, Steve Rogers, dude with a heart of gold, wants to do good, true altruist, you know, Bucky, his best friend got in, is enlisted, getting sent off. Uh, we, he, he gets put, selected for this super soldier experiment and, you know, meet Tommy Lee Jones, Peggy, all this stuff that's going to be set up. Then we get to the super soldier experiment. Big, big to do. Uh, Tony Stark is there. He's powering. This, Howard Stark. This, oh, Howard. Okay. Howard, oh, yeah. so like Howard Hughes. All right. That makes a <laughs> lot of sense now. There you go. I won't ever forget that. And, and he, yeah, he is the Howard Hughes of this. Okay. That makes so much more sense now. And I can see all the illusions. Oh, he's even a, a pilot. Oh my God. It's just Howard Hughes. Okay. So, um, yeah, man, now I'm, I just, I was a mind blown. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Uh, I'm not good with character names. So anyway, yeah, we get, he's, he's the one that's financing or not financing. He's powering this. So that's why it's yeah, Brooklyn he, yeah. to get the generators uh, we, we get put Steve in there. He gets all these, we get this science mumbo jumbo, just comic book science. Oh, it's the serum. Well, hang on. I'm missing something. Why we expanded upon why Steve is chosen for this is because the serum that he will be given enhances everything, about everything. You. It is his, his physical nature, but specifically like his spirit what goes on in his head. So, you know, we're, we're getting in it. Like, so if, Oh man, I did miss that one scene. I'm sorry. I'm going all over the place, but they're, they're talking about this, the scientist and Tommy Lee Jones. And he says, you know, we just need a killer. He says, well, if we get a killer, then we, it's going to be unstable. We don't know. We like, it will enhance that, that uh, idea. And instead of making a hero, we're going to be making a villain. So Tommy Lee Jones picks up that grenade and throws it into the crowd, and they all disperse. Scatter, except but for scrawny Steve Rogers, who, who jumps on the grenade right on it to protect everyone. Which I really do like. I like that scene. It's like him finally passing the test. And the only thing that Tommy Lee Jones has to say is, "Well, he's he's still too thin." Yeah. <laughs> and but here's where I'm starting to have issues with Steve Rogers as a character, in that you know Steve Rogers, Captain America is he's a goody two shoes and it makes me love the character and hate him at the same time. He's way too black and white. Um, I, yep. I don't think do, to do good is a strong character motivator. I'm getting like just that idea. And in this film, I'm getting lots of, you know, I, I my memories being triggered of Ray from star Wars. And like I said, at this moment in time, but she from the force awakens to pretty much the entire saga or saga or her trilogy she her only motivation is to do good and i don't think that that is a strong motivator and and like i said this is i'm hoping this is going to be changed i hear it is but for this film you know being the ultimate hero the knight in shining armor like that's not thematically and and narratively interesting to me uh, i think i enjoy characters who are flawed and and not that oh they're so good it's to a fault you know uh and i think that steve just selflessly jumping on this grenade but there's no context to doing i don't know like that it just kind of bothers me at the same time 
where it's like, oh, you jumped on the grenade, but like if it was a live grenade, like you'd be dead and you wouldn't be able to do the super soldier pro- project. I don't know. What are your thoughts on on that whole uh, that whole scene and and the idea that he's he's too good? I mean, I, I liked that scene just as a as a way of expressing, you know, the, you know, he's our candidate and he's our choice because. While everyone else is running, running away, he's the one running, you know, towards the gunshots or whatever, you know, however you want to put it. But I feel like in this movie, we just get so much of that. And we've had so much of that up until this point already, too. It's, you know, whenever there's a moral choice, he's taking the moral high ground and, you know, he doesn't step out of line or anything like that. And it's just, it's kind of like you said, a goody two shoes to an extreme, um, but as I kind of mentioned before, that is the character, um, especially, you know, it's his origin that that's who he is. He's that he's the good guy. He's the guy who's always going to, you know, lay down his life for the next guy and so on and so forth. Um, and, and kind of, like I mentioned, this movie had to be made in my opinion, just to set up a bunch of stuff, just to kind of set lay the groundwork for where this universe is going to be built and what's going to you know what's going to go forward from here because to tell the the story that they want to tell you can't do it without captain america and if you're going to do it you got to do it right and we need to stick to comic book origins captain america of the good guy you know the hero with no faults yeah exactly and and this is saying like i'm not saying that he's going to change i'm actually predicting like he's going to change vastly from who he is in the beginning. And, and, and I might even praise this in the future, but just speaking from not really knowing. And I think that uh, Tom Felton, who played Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies, I was listening to an interview like way back. And uh, this was right after like the third movie. So this is a definitely way back. And, and they were saying like, oh, do you like playing the bad guys? Like, do you like being in Slytherin? Uh, do, you, do, you, would, do you wish you could be a hero? And he said, no. And the interviewer said, oh, well, that's like, that's an interesting answer to that question. Why? And he said, well, it's fun playing bad guys. You know, the, the people in Gryffindor, like Harry Potter, Hermione Granger, Ron Weasley, like they will always do the good thing. And that's not fun. <laughs> no. And and he's like, oh, I can do the fun stuff because I'm a bad guy. Uh, and that's just, you know, boiling it down to really simple terms. But I think he's getting at something like like being too good has its faults whereas being obviously too bad is you know has its faults too but you know finding that gray area of just like yeah be a hufflepuff you know you're not good you're not bad you're just there um (laughs) but uh so so we do get this scene you know him transforming i do really like the scene you know they inject everything they're saying oh it's uh i don't don't remember if they said it's going to be painful but it's definitely going to be you know it's going to be quite the experience and and I, and I love when like this sarcophagus like shuts on him, it's being generated and, and it's, and it's, it's doing this, uh, they're slowly ramping up the generators and, you know, at 70%, that's when Steve starts screaming in pain they say, shut it off, shut it off. He says, no, I can do this. Just keep it going. And, you know, they keep the experiment going. And before we, you know, I mean, obviously we know how this ends, but let's jump back a little bit. Because this is when I started thinking of the parallels to um, the the villain of this film, which whom we haven't really mentioned yet. 
No. So we no, have... we've kind of gotten like that yeah. red herring of like who oh this is what might happen, but we all yeah well we haven't mentioned it and yet it hasn't really been too clear cut by this point of the what's really going on. And so our villain is the Red Skull, but it's yes. so we, played by Hugo Weaving, uh, fantastic actor. I think he can he plays really any stern character super well. Um, I my favorite film of his is, is is actually one that he doesn't play like a villain. He's just he actually this is going to be weird. He he plays um, a drag queen in a, an Australian drag queen. It's my that's my favorite performance by him. But he's such a chameleon. But everyone knows him more. I would argue as Agent Smith from the the Matrix films, or like yeah, that's or, that's where I got him. And that I just think it's his distinctive features, his his just his vocals. And so I see him here. I'm like, okay, I can see him as the bad guy. And this was probably coming off of I don't remember when the last Matrix movie was. Probably like early two thousands, mid two thousands. So you know, it's still in the minds of everyone that he is Agent Smith. Uh, I think I forget his character's name in the Lord of the Rings, but to me, that was always such a not I don't want to say a non-character because he rebuilt the sword. Um, uh, that you know, the, I, I'm not I'm not a fanboy, so I don't know the sword's name, but he <laughs> rebuilt the sword that you know was there at the battle, and it's Aragorn's sword. But I, that was such a non-character for me. But you know, he's here, and he just has that domineering presence, and. And, you know, we get this whole thing, like, he's, you know, part of the, uh, it kind of reminded me of Hellboy a little bit, too, where he's part of, you know, the secret team that that finds things of the occult for Hitler. But he takes it seriously, where everyone else thinks it's, like, a legends and stories and just kind of morale boost. And, right, right. you know, we start the film with him actually finding this, like, this cube of energy. And where this whole 70% thing came back to me is when he's trying to harness the energy of the cube and and you know he uh the the sign his like sidekick companion is cranking it up to he gets to okay we're gonna go to seven we're gonna slowly work our way up to like 70 percent. he says you know what we're not we're not doing this for for safety I've, i'm here for results and he just cranks that shit up to 100 and this is where i kind of got those parallels of like okay we're at the 70 percent mark this is, you know, this is the safe mark. But Steve says, keep going. I can do I it. I can do it. Yep. Also, just to quickly jump on, um, you know, what, you know, they were doing with uh, with the cube. Um, it, that scene was very, uh, or they, they, you know, gave us the location to an extent of that scene. And that was just very evil lair-esque. Like we get this pan over the mountains and then we see cut into this mountainside is like these glass windows. And I said it before, but, you know, we haven't really been introduced to the villain. But now I'm remembering, like, here, here we go. This is it. Like, if you've ever seen an evil lair, this is, this is it right here. Just mountainside windows in the snow, in the Alps. Um, and that's, you know, you, I see the connection you're making, you know, with the 70%, how they're both pushing over the edge. And, and this is also... I kind of mentioning about like cgi and marvel like i don't I, it, this may not be a thing but when this came out 2011 this is when it feels like they're gonna start to go big or go home you know just the sheer like you said this this is like the evil doers you know lair 
or you know the CGI like these 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 fantastical spectacular moments that we get definitely feels like Marvel was trying to be like okay we gotta start amping this up amping this up uh you know more not only say more comic booky feel but we gotta start you know ramping I think that's up. a I think what you just said there and I'm gonna get back to it later comic booky feel uh, I don't want to lose that yeah, and, and even like with the characters, but yeah, and that comes up again later. But back to Steve, you know, we get to 100, he, it stops, experiment's over, they open the sarcophagus, and we get this hulk of a dude. <laughs> like, oh, like no I, knew, I knew how big he was, but I was like, oh my god. I was like the actress who plays Peggy, because apparently when like everyone comes in. That was unscripted, unscri- she just like tries to reach out and touch his peck that was you know yeah, that was a her. reaction for her that wasn't uh that like, wasn't i felt like that i was like oh my god like you're huge which again like i wonder like how they film these things because you know leading up to the experiment we get this whole thing of oh uh you know i i've been through here i've been through here i got beat up in that alley he's like oh you never knew how to run away and she said well I forget exactly what the quip he says back to her. Like it, it never occurred to me or something like that. If you like start that. running, if you start running, you never stop or because you know, something effective, they're just going to keep chasing you then. Yeah. And like, why you want to be a story? Like, Oh, I don't like bullies. And, and so uh, we get this whole thing of like, something about like dancing with the girls. You don't go out, you need a date. He says, Oh, well, you know, I'm not much of a dancer. I'm just looking for the right one. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. But here, like, I feel like Peggy is, you know, kind of, like, warming up to him. He's like, oh, yeah, he's a nice kid, blah, blah, blah. And then he turns into this, like, he turns into Chris Evans. And and this is when I'm like, okay, this is when it starts to bug me, Peggy's character. Um, when now it's suddenly, oh, I am, like, sexually attracted to him. And mm-hmm. I start thinking of him like this. I think that is so beneath this, this, like, this character and the potential that she can have. Because now the moment he turns into Chris Evans, she's, like, swoon. Which yep. I was like, I wish that she not fell in love with the personality. Because it seemed like she liked the personality. And then he became Chris Evans and this, this like, this the body that all men aspired to want and like what what greek what greek uh artists and and poets they literally wrote about this like male physique that chris evans has and then she falls in love with with that i feel like in my opinion because you know i mean he starts to do good but i'm like no 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 she's like i want to bone this guy like lust is in that touch of his pecs. right then and there yeah right then and there and that i also take a, a and maybe this is just me um I, I take issue with this kind of not plot point narrative device i don't really know what to classify it as but just like th- this principle of you know you could be the greatest guy in the world but if you're not this muscle brown freak, like you can't make a difference. Like it doesn't matter. Like you're you're worthless unless you're this big jacked guy. Um, of course, you know he has all these amazing qualities, but none of those amazing qualities matter because he can't bench press, you know, more than fifty pounds. I, I kind of find a little that to be a little bit problematic. Um, I don't know if that's just a personal issue I'm having with this movie and if anyone else sees it, but it's just something that kind of always stuck in the back of my head. And I think that's part of like my distaste for this movie because of like seeing 
how scrawny Captain America doesn't matter until he's jacked Captain America. Uh, I think that puts me off a tiny bit because as you very well know, I'm also a pretty skinny guy. So it's just that, you know, not a put down, but that difference uh, in views right there that turns me off a bit. Yeah. It's like to be a superhero, you have to be, you know, and and that's you know that can i'm sure people have written papers about all of this stuff like people way smarter than me but that is there is something to be said about you know like the sex appeal of of these movies um and and just and you read about the the, the training that these people have to go through and just like how little like it's not it's a lifestyle uh, oh yeah and it's 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 like you're you're they're getting paid millions of dollars to you know do this but they're you know at the call like it's not healthy like being that big is not healthy because you know he has to you know you have to have the abs you have to have the muscle you have to you know you have to look like you're the specimen of fitness and beauty but like it's not it's not healthy for you but I think that's a very interesting point of like you know Steve Rogers is nothing until he goes through the super soldier experiment uh like it's great and all but like nice guys finish last unless you can you know back that up with a good exactly with with a good uh haymaker right hook so, but anyway, you know, we get into this and, you know, there's a spy, there's a, there's a German spy who's trying to get the, or I guess the, the Hydra spy is more appropriate yes. in that he's, he's trying to steal the, uh, the serum, which I don't understand why that wasn't injected into him. Like it was still part of it, but anyway, that's, that's just a nitpick. So he takes it, kills Stanley, uh, Stanley Tucci runs out and we get this big chase scene where, uh, Steve Rogers goes out and just chases this dude on foot. And, and I, I think, really, yeah, Jake. I think this is probably one of the first scenes of this movie that I really started to enjoy just because it's kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, I love Spider-Man. So it reminds me of, you know, Spider-Man and even all the way back to the Tobey Maguire movies when he's like first trying to like figure out how to like use his powers and be Spider-Man because you see like, you know, Steve Rogers comes sprinting out of there and like awkwardly galloping because he doesn't know how to use his new body yet. And he even like tries, he's sprinting and he takes that one turn to like quickly and he goes flying off his feet and through this like glass window. And of course, you know, nice guy, oh, sorry, 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 and gets up and keeps running. But it's just, I kind of really enjoyed this, this scene of how he is learning to just, you know, fit into this new body and use his power um to to do what he feels is right yeah exactly yeah i do really like this like the beginning awkwardness where he's like figuring out how to use his body and use the powers that he is now bestowed i also really do because it was that small line leading up to the experiment like oh i know that that back alley and that back alley like i got beat up there and i and like i chased someone through there It, it makes sense of how he's able to keep up with a speeding car through the streets of Brooklyn because he knows the back streets of Brooklyn. He grew up there and he got in a lot of fights in these alleys. So I'm like, Oh, he's turning down this, he's turned down that. And I'm like, and he's also a super soldier with you know super strength and endurance. And he can do like these massive jumps. Like when he just jumps over like an, an eight foot high fence, like it's uh, like a hurdle in a track event. And I was yeah. like, okay, I like that. Um, <laughs> 
there, there, there's one scene that was so when the guy like it's this big spectacular uh chase scene we get our second illusion like i was mentioning earlier to a shield but this time it's it's a taxi door taxi and door, yep. there is a star in the center so now we're, we're slowly getting closer to that shield like it's he's he's still figuring out like the shield that he has is a little bit stronger but it's not quite right it's a door of a car um and you know the the guy the the hydra spy takes a kid shooting at him throws the kid away and i'm like oh we're gonna have a spider-man moment of like do i chase the bad guy do i go for the kid oh but the kid can swim which i did like that it's okay i could swim yeah i loved that scene yeah i'm like oh that's a really clever reversal because i was like oh we're gonna have the because i know it's 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 interesting because steve is about to get his first true like what do i do do i chase the spy who has a serum and it leads to you know it's the it's the longer goal or do i save this kid and it's a short-term goal like we need to do both. There's consequences of both. So I kind of wish there was something there, but I also do like that reversal. I can swim. It's okay. Um, but this was the laugh out loud moment for me. So there's this, you know, classic comic book fashion. There's a sub just ready to go. And <laughs> I also mentioned, I forgot to mention, uh, is Peggy a super soldier? Like, do we, are we ever alluded to this? Because she snipes a dude from like a hundred yards away with a British with a handgun. pistol. Yeah. Um, I'm like no, she she's just a she's just an agent. Because that I was like, okay, I get if Steve had the gun, maybe like that's some wanted level shit. Like she, it felt like she curved the bullet. Like she sniped that guy from like a hundred yards away. But I digress. So uh, there's this <laughs> there's this submarine. The dude gets in. He's getting away. Steve jumps in, swims to him, and he just punches through the glass underwater and pulls the guy out that had such a funny reaction out of me because you know he dives in swims to it grabs onto the antenna and the guy looks up and he just winds back and punches through the glass and then it just fills with water and he takes him out uh what did you have a similar reaction to that because i feel like I, you would have been like just- what it, it just seems so yeah, absurd. It, unbelievable because especially because both you and I, you know, we swam in college. We know like what it's like to move in the water. And now like, yes, he's a super soldier, but he's diving into the water, swimming faster than a submarine to catch up to it, to then also have the strength to wind up, punch and pulse. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a, it, absurd was a good way to put it. But it's so much fun. You're like, oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't dislike <laughs> it. I was just like, wow. Captain America. Uh, so then we, he gets pulled out, and uh, we have the classic, oh, you're never going to take me alive. He has the, the cyanide uh, tooth, the, the, cap, the tablet in the tooth, bites Cut it down. one head, two more grow in its place. Hail Hydra. Yep. Um, and he dies. And, and, so, and this is what like, kind of kickstarts the, the, like, act two. So the origin is done. He is now Captain America starting to, oh, Hydra? Who's Hydra? And, and I have to admit, the next turn I was not expecting from this movie. So Steve goes back. They kind of debrief what happened. What did he do? And Tommy Lee Jones essentially just, like, pulls the cord on the whole, on the whole project. He's like, you know, I was promised an army. Stanley, or like, not like whatever the scientist Stanley Tucci's dead, so I have no further use for this, which is weird because he chased down this dude on with no shoes on 
right after he was changed. Like there was no adjustment. There was no learning curve. Like he did that on his own. On the fly. Yeah. And so, and so then the Senator gets this idea of, well, you know, you can do something else. You know, you can contribute to the war effort by being this, this again, comic book character. And, and mm-hmm. it's this callback earlier with the, um, with the uh, back with, uh, with Bucky it was like, what am I supposed to do? contribute to the war effort by you know getting my little red wagon and banging Picking a pot up scrap and metal yeah he says yes you can do that and essentially he does that but he's selling war bonds he's being this he's being this this caricature well yeah uh, he's representation he's of america propaganda marketing machine which is which is just so you know usa it's just like oh here's something cool let's market the hell out of it and make money off of it and it's <laughs> what and it's what you know these i'm sure when stan lee started writing or, or or even when he was a kid what superheroes were like yeah. what superman oh. wh- who superman was was a propaganda machine and but i really do like i wasn't expecting this turn of we're going to use him as a propaganda icon and and sell war bonds and you know stimulate the economy by people buying comic books and things like that and And it's just so Steve Rogers, too. It's, you know, his superiors told him, even though he can be out there, you know, doing something greater, his superiors told him, hey, you know, you need to go do this. And he just does it. And he says, okay. And we get this montage, like almost something like, like Bohemian Rhapsody would do when they're like any uh, biopic or about like, um, about like a band it's like oh milwaukee philadelphia chicago la and he's you know reciting his his lines it almost seems like he's enjoying it or maybe he's just putting on the show but you know we get from the first show where he's reading the cue cards behind his shield which i do really enjoy that like this is the i guess the third shield this is final shield that he's getting or not the final but for this instance uh it's kind of putting a bow on this like synthetic shield that he he's being this synthetic hero and you know he's reading the cue cards you know he's with the the call girls he quote-unquote punches hitler and you know all the kids are oh watch out watch out captain america you know getting them involved he's you know he's got the he smiles he's got the twinkle and a smile and i do like this segment and then we get to oh he's going to be doing the like the 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 troop like the i don't know the the tour for the troops yeah and and immediately exactly what you think would happen and what I thought was going to happen is they were like, this is, this is stupid. Like yeah. bring out the girls. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even he's like, oh, this is so stupid. I just, I just feel I, he, cause he, you could tell like he, the moment he, knows. he comes out, yeah. he's just like, oh man, this is not ex- at all what I want to do. They throw food at him. They do, they boom off the stage and he, he just walks off dejected. And then the girls come back out and, but you can tell, like, even in – and this is why I think Chris Evans, in this, too, the personality he brings to Captain America is like, oh, well, you know, I'll work on that, guys, but I think they only know the one song. But he's like, oh, come on, we're on the same we're on the same side. Yeah. And he walks off the stage, and this is when we get, you know, the, the next part. This is where I was expecting this to go. Well, this is also, like, we see him because he's sitting off stage kind of bummed out, and he's just doodling. And I just wanted to, you know, jump in right there with that. And that's a pretty true character thing because, you know, comic book origins wise, the original Captain America, before he was what he was, he he was an artist. So it was kind of just like a nod of him sitting there doodling the, um, 
the the show monkey on the unicycle it, it was kind of just put in there as a nod to his you know true origins in the comic book yeah and that's a really good detail but then here's the point where we get oh he's a uh, all these pow's they got a lot like they're, they're the real soldiers because he goes to tommy lee jones and says oh i want to I want to do like something, contribute more, use me. I'm a sol- I'm a super soldier. Use me as that. He turns around and says, Oh, those are the guys that are part of the, like, I don't know, the, the, the 47th. Oh, yeah. Hundreds. I was about to say 101st, but I'm like, no, that's the airborne. Uh, and they just, you know, got beat to hell and there's all these POWs and he's remembers, Oh my God, that's, that's Bucky. That's, that's who Bucky. I wanted to join with. Uh, I just need one name. Oh, it's probably dead. doesn't matter. Forget him. And then Captain America takes upon himself. Like, Nope. I'm going to go rogue and, you know, say, bring our boys home. And this is when I think the being good, being the true altruist works because yes. it's like, okay, good. Like he's like, this is selfless. I'm not, he's not doing this to prove it to the soldiers. He's not doing it to prove it to this country. He's not doing this to prove that Tommy Lee Jones, he's doing this because it's the right thing to do and he needs to get his boys home. That works. That no, right. Works. Yeah. He's not towing the party line anymore. He's not, you know, staying where he's supposed to and doing what he's told. It's he's doing what needs to be done for the first, well, not for the first time, but for the first time where it really, as you said, it works. He's doing Captain America's work all of a sudden. Yeah. And so we get the, you know, the montage of him suiting up and he's, you know, he's wearing the Captain America suit underneath, which I was like, okay, I, whatever. It's, it's just part of the, it's part of the, I guess it's his only clothes that he really has like for that. He, that aren't uh, like uh, like casual fatigues. So he is, he he's dropped in correct with by Peggy and, uh, Peggy and, and Howard, right? Howard. Yeah. They, I think they were planning on, you know, I don't know what the original plan was if they were going to try to land, whatever it was, but uh, he just, you know, they started getting shot at. So he got the hell out of there to make sure that they could get the hell out of there. Yeah, and so he drops behind enemy lines, and we start, and he and he starts to uh, he infiltrates this this lab that they're making these weapons of mass destructions, which earlier we alluded to as well. He they harness the power of this cube, the tesseract. And, yeah, the tesseract, and it essentially vaporizes people. Uh, Hugo Weaving, Red Skull, he ends up vaporizing uh, the A couple of high the Nazi officials. Yeah. Because they are like, you know, we're cutting funding. Like, this is this is bogus. You're you're going off the cuff. You, like, we don't have control of you. He says, yeah, you're right. You know, Hydra's going to split off from you. And then he kills them. And, you know, that's really interesting. And now these we imp- he's starting to infiltrate this Hydra base that they have all these weapons, these, these huge, massive weapons. It's like straight out of Wolfenstein. And, and so... And this is where, again, more comic book stuff, you know, these these side characters who I don't even remember their names, but they are distinguished by their character features. So we have and he's an actor, too, but I don't remember where he's from. The guy with the handlebar mustache and, and the, and the, the brim bowler hat, hat, the bowler yeah. hat. Yeah. And like in the in the Asian guy who's from Chicago and and uh, <laughs> and uh, the black guy who's part of the French. Resi- and then the guy, of course, the French resistance guy is a demolitions expert, but he doesn't speak any English. But the, the French or the black guy. I guess has been working in tandem with them. He can speak French, so he translates for them. So there, I don't remember any of their names except just 
who they are on a superficial level, which I guess goes more into the comic book. Um, like, why does this guy have a bowler hat? I don't know, but it's, you know, I remember him because of that. Right, I thought right. he was going to be Irish, but nope, he's just is some American dude. Um, so, you know, Captain America breaks him out and they just stage this riot, which the POWs all just overrun the place, overrun the place. And, and this is when we get our first confrontation with Captain America and the Red Skull after we just so happened to find Bucky who was being tortured because he keeps repeating a serial number. Well, no, they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to, you know, recreate the serum on literally anyone. So they're oh. like taking these prisoners of war to experiment on them to try to figure out what this you know what what makes the serum tick but you know part of the problem is as we've already talked about the serum worked for captain america because of his character and all of those things and now you're taking broken men and trying to inject them with this serum and they're already broken and this is just going to amplify that yeah okay i didn't realize that does that come in like future movies <laughs> Um, I'm going to abstain from answering that. Okay. Be, okay. Because Bucky, I do have some things to say about Bucky a little bit later on, but, uh, yeah. So he saves Bucky and, uh, you know, we get the confrontation between the Red Skull and Captain America. You know, we see the face, the CGI doesn't really work for me. Uh, it's weird because I looked up what did, what was the makeup process for this? And I saw pictures of Hugo weaving in makeup. And it was essentially like the the Red Skull, like whatever you see. But then his it was kind of like um, uh, like Voldemort, like how they just digitally erased his nose. And so Hugo Weaving just had like his nose blacked out. But this just looks so weird. Uh, see, I, I I gotta be honest. I like this CGI for Red Skull more than i like the scrawny captain america or scrawny uh chris evans cgi i I don't know why but i just you know i I think we just have a difference of opinion here it it works better for me as red skull and i guess that's because it it kind of plays into what you're saying about the uncanny valley Uh, i know that's not what chris evans looks like and it's kind of strange i know that the red skull isn't an actual person so it's my mind's not trying to believe he is yeah, that's a good point. It's just so because, like I said, they have the pictures of the makeup, but I'm like, why does this look so weird? And I think it's the eyes. The eyes to me just feel like they're like kind of ghosty and that they're floaty on the on the head. They just don't seem natural, and that doesn't enhance it because sometimes you know decisions like that can you know make the character or the villain a little bit more menacing. But to me, it just distracted me altogether. Um, but I do like the, the image of him peeling off of this, this face and, and, you know, tossing into the fire. Now he's now, he doesn't have to pretend to be a Nazi, uh, official or a Nazi sympathizer. He is, he is Hydra, you know, yeah. he's like the true colors are now coming out. And, and so, and, and one thing I think we, we forgot to mention as well, like why he's the Red Skull is because, you know, he worked with Stanley Tucci's character trying to develop this super soldier serum. He tested on himself and, and going back of how Steve Rogers character was perfect and it just heightens everything about that. You know, he was pure evil. So it brings out everything of pure evil would right. do. And also the, the serum wasn't 
exactly ready when he tested it. It was a little premature. So, you know, of course what you said is correct. And it's also, you know, Stanley Tucci wasn't ready, but it was rushed anyway. And, you know, that's where you still get some of these even more negative effects. Almost like uh, the Green Goblin serum in the in, in exactly. the McGuire Spider-Man. It just, like, brought out the insanity of the character, of the person that used Which, it. It's funny you're bringing that up because literally since, you know, this first movie when the Super Soldier Serum worked on Captain America – that's what Oscorp was trying to create. That's what they're all after. It's huh. it worked once. We're trying to, you know, and of course in that Spider-Man universe, it's you know different reasons. But comic book origin wise, everyone's after what made Captain America what he is. That's a really interesting point. I never really thought about it like that. And so, you know, uh, they escape the the sequence. You know, we get some pretty decent action. I do really like the CGI of the men vaporizing. I think that's it's so horrifying, but it's such a, a really and then like the Americans get the tech, they get these massive things. Um, uh, Red Skull escapes with uh, he escapes in his like V twenty rocket that just goes up into the sky, and his scientist, well, where am I gonna sit? I thought he was about to kill him. It's like, oh, you've done my work. It's like, and he gives him his car keys, not a scratch. It's like, yep. oh, okay, interesting, interesting, but um. So yeah, they get all the tech, they walk back to uh, the, the base camp, and Captain America leading it, really do like these visuals, Bucky on his side with, with like a big like browning machine gun, guys with these this huge heavy tech machinery, and you know, we get the hip hip hooray for Captain America, Amer uh, Captain America is now one of the boys, and... Which I, that, that scene, uh, the first part of that scene, as you described it, I loved it with the visuals and everything. But then, you know, yeah, Sebastian stands. Let's hear it for Captain America. It, it just <laughs> felt like this is, in my opinion, where the movie starts to get like comic book campy movie. Like, and especially going into the scenes after this, like that three cheers for Captain America and everyone, you know, it, it just. Hoist them on their shoulders. And yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it's like, <laughs> oh, this is a comic book movie now. That That's kind of what I started to pick up at this point. Yeah. And so this is when, you know, everyone meets up. We, we kind of get more, you know, debriefing because there was a map that uh, Steve was able to see and he relayed like, oh, here are like the major cities that are going to be like, we don't oh, know here are where the major Hydra bases are. Yeah, which include, well, it's the bases, but I also thought it was these, like, we know something's going, it's the bases as well as, like, you know, these major cities globally are being targeted. You know, the United, all over the United States, Berlin, uh, you know, like, uh, Tokyo, like, all these cities are being targeted, but let's go after these Hydra bases. We And this is the other scene that happens when it fucking bugs me with Peggy in that, you know, Captain America, we get, what's her name from Game of Thrones? Uh, she, oh, uh. Marjorie Tyrell, but I don't yeah, remember the her. actress's name. I don't. I don't really think she's an attr that attractive. I think she's hot as shit in Game of Thrones, <laughs> but like here, it just didn't really work for me. But you know, she is. You know, I dude. If Chris Evans stood in front of me, I'd want to fuck him too. But um, <laughs> so she's like you know turned on by this this hero. He is like the archetype of the hero literally and metaphorically and she wants in on that on that action and so 
you know, St- I love how Steve just doesn't know how to respond because he's never had any. He's never had that at all. He's never life, had yeah. that. And he's just like awkwardly stumbling around and she pulls him in and, you know, they kiss and then Peggy walks in and now she's pissed off. It's like, oh, I thought you didn't, you only were waiting for one tango partner. I guess it wasn't, you didn't wait long enough. It wasn't that hard. And I was like, bro, you weren't even looking at this guy when he was like a five, two yeah. scrawny nobody. Um, and, and so that, that I was like, pe- like, they're just even taking her down another peg of just, uh, she could have been a very strong female protagonist that had the respect of everyone. And, and like Steve already respected her, but it, it could have been more of the, you know, it, they could have played that scene one of two ways, the way that they played it, or like, I don't really care. Like we're, 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 we're coworkers. We're work, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And that could further be like, well, now I definitely want you more or not want you more, but like, I'm like, I respect you. And therefore like mm-hmm. integrity, honor. And so like professionalism, but now she's just this hot and bothered, jealous woman who wants Steve. So that was just the other scene that I wanted to mention before we get into this montage of this comic book montage. Yeah. This Steve, drove me up a wall of Steve, you know, of Steve and the crew you know, the howling commandos. Yeah, taking That's everything fair, yeah. out. And we get those moments of, you know, the French guy running out. It's doing like, a- like rolling on the ground, putting a, an explosive, stands up, truck explodes, you know, them, you know, storming bases, you know, all this, all this stuff. And- well, before we even, sorry, before we even really dive into that, right before all of those, that campy comic book montage happened, he gets his shield. He he's oh, in yes. How could um, I forget? you know Peggy after getting all mad at him for the kiss. Um you know, he she escorts him into this lab where Howard Stark's working on these prototypes and everything, and he's got all these monstrosities of shields laying on the desk, and like tucked under is the vibranium shield, and he and you know, of course, you know, simplistic Captain America fashion is like well, what about that one? And pulls it out and Howard's like, oh, it's just a prototype, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we finally learn about, you know, his shield and everything and it's vibranium, strongest metal on earth. And that's it right there. All of the vibranium on the planet is in that <laughs> shield. And I remember it, it comes up later it too, where it's like, oh yeah, classic Americans, they have the most rare metal on earth and they turn into a goddamn Frisbee. Um, or, and, or like and, a, you know, a sled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that's, you know, that's what it, you know, that's where he gets his shield from, that origin of his shield of the rarest metal and how it ends up in Captain America's hands. And it also, you know, for people who don't know about it, it's, that's why it never breaks or anything like that. It's indestructible, basically. Yo, and that's when the scene when Peggy takes a gun and shoots him. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, she unloads like a whole cliff right into the shield. Which is like, which would have been cool if it wasn't filled with jealousy if the motivation wasn't jealousy and just spite if it was just like oh let's test it out and she takes a gun and like shoots it that would have been very badass but it would because it was in two seconds later he was kissing someone else and she's now taking her anger out on him yeah literally taking it like what if that wasn't the strongest metal what if it was (laughs) his first shield oh no you just shot captain america um so did this was this also oh no okay i was about to jump ahead of something so uh we get with the montage and you know there which there's 
some cool stuff in there, like you had said with the French dude blowing up the thing, but then there's like those slow motion cuts of him like jumping off of tanks and everything, and I'm like, it, throwing it didn't dudes work out for me. And yeah. Yeah, it didn't work for me. But then, you know, we get, you know, Peggy, you know, starts to realize, oh, Captain America, you know, he's got the thing for me because he, pull, he pulls out his his uh, compass and Peggy's face is in there, like the classic yep. World War II hero stereotype. And, you know, Tommy Lee Jones, like, oh, okay, I know what's going on here. Of course it was going to happen. And, you know, we'll fast forward that bit because it's just a montage. But then, okay, right-hand man is on this train. We got to get him. This is the only place he's going to be. And... <laughs> and they and this is probably the worst looking CGI is when they zip line down to the train and it just looks so plastic and green screen yeah, and, it, yep. and it's 2011 so it's not like this movie was made in 1990 or anything like that so I don't want to give it too much leniency but Iron Man looked better and Iron Man was three years prior to that in my opinion and this is the whole idea of being bigger and better i think this is when you start to really see it and so we get onto this train and it's i think it's captain it's it's steve and bucky and they go on and the and the the, uh the black guy oh he was there too okay i feel terrible not knowing you know his character's name or anything but it's kind of like you said they're members of the howling commandos and that's all you need to know about them movie doesn't care so i don't care either um so they you know access the train and it's funny because i was getting not that this was intentional or anything but it, it reminded me so much of snowpiercer i don't know if you've seen that i haven't uh, seen it yet but so it, it, i get it the concept with, it is with chris evans moving through the train very narrow corridors and i'm like oh that's you know it's not intentional but i was just thinking oh it's funny because in at that point like four years or three years from that point he was going to be in this train movie um but then we get this this really i think it's a, a really cool seat or not cool but it's entertaining when bucky and steve get separated and they're just from different trains they're being attacked by uh, the robocops this, like, yeah this yeah essentially robocop and this this mech this mech uh cop or not cop this mech nazi hydra agent and you know they dispatch of them blah 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 which was a really cool i, I gotta you said it already but it was cool when um I, I really enjoyed the scene where you know he get he takes cap takes out his guy the the mech and then he gets in the room with bucky tosses him the gun and then like without even speaking they just know they're vibing off each other and know what to do cap punches there runs into that one you know container and it slides out so the guy has to jump back and Bucky just takes him out like no communication they just with a look knew what they needed to do yeah and and I think that you know just speaks to you know their bond yeah exactly and then you know but this is the moment when we say goodbye to Bucky for the immediate time because a a missile comes um, filing out it blows a hole in the side of the train Bucky's hanging off. Steve tries to go get him, and he falls down. So, I, I, also I, not good looking CGI of Bucky yeah. falling away. And so I have prior knowledge that I know Bucky comes back in Winter Soldier, and I'm very curious to see how that happens because that was a pretty long drop. <laughs> and but, but what's even more like it was so awkward that scene because it was just so sudden and you can't say like, Oh, well in life and war, 
uh, like that those things happen, like people die and it's unexpected. That's all good and well, but this is not that movie. You know, it's a comic book movie. So that I feel like may have been a tell, like, and I, I don't know, I do not know the comics. So maybe like comic book fans would know that Bucky comes back as the next super soldier, like tasked against uh, Captain America. But for the average moviegoer like myself and the, and just the casual comic book superhero fan, I, I, I wouldn't know that. So, well, and I got to ask you, did, did you feel any emotion from that scene? Because I mean, it's supposed to, there's supposed to be some semblance of emotion there. You know, Cap just loses his best pal. And to me, it just, and I know, yes, I know, you know where it's going and I know where it's going, but like, it just felt, you know, it felt flat on me. I was like, mm, okay, he fell off the train. It's so abrupt that it just like, it just happens. Like, it's not like he, and he, there's no like final goodbye or anything. It just happens. And, and it does fall, it just fall flat for me as well as just kind of, oh, okay, that just happened, I guess. It's, it's just abrupt. And I think that is like the, to the detriment of this of the quote unquote story here, and to like Steve Rogers, but you know, and then he gets in, to, he gets in, he's pissed. Like this is like I think why I like this scene too, and one of the only positives I can see from that scene is now we see Steve Rogers like pissed off, and I kind of almost wanted him to to have that like taste of the dark side of just like. I'm pissed. You better not piss me off or I will kill you. But we don't go that route. We just no. capture the guy, put him off in this, this little, we put him off in a um, isolation room, uh holding cell gets get, get some, get some moments with, with dialogue between Tommy Lee Jones and him uh, just continuing furthering the plot. But then we get the scene of Captain America kind of depressed. And I'd really do like that moment between him and Peggy where he says, you know, my cells can regenerate at such a rate that I, I, can't I can't even get drunk. get drunk yep but he's still trying which i really think that's a that's that's a really interesting character no no matter how small it is i think it's interesting that he knows he can't get drunk but he's trying to and that's how like depressed anyway. he is yeah. so that kind of fast tracks us into we can get to like the very end of this movie and like kind of this, the whole last act and we can, we can kind of put it on, you know, fast forward. Uh, we find out that the, that the villains game plan is to essentially it's, it kind of reminds me of uh watchman and that the film that is where they try and he trying to vaporize the similar to watchman in that he's trying to vaporize like a major city and he and and the red skull is going to do it like across the whole world essentially yeah and and so we have like captain america they got to stop that they have to go to this plane and stop that that's that's just what's driving this back this back half forward um am i missing anything as in the as opposed to like that's the plan for the third act to stop this guy from doing yeah no yeah i literally have no notes from you know the campy slow-mo gadgets montage until now because that's kind of yeah you you nailed it with we got to stop the red skull from doing the bad things he wants to do because we milked his assistant for information and figured out you know what's going on um that being said i think red skull turns out to be one of the better villains 
between the two movies we've seen before because it's not you know like Obadiah as you had said was just I'm a bad guy because I want to be rich and you know make a bunch of money um whereas Red Skull it it feels like you know we see his craziness and his ego a little bit more and, and get that motivator from him of well I'm the most uh, I deserve to be the most powerful being in the world because of a what happened to me and you know of course it amplifies everything about him and the evil becomes worse um and it's not even it seems like it works a little bit more yeah no it does and it's not even like oh i'm crazy so i'm gonna do crazy things like he is the more extreme version of hitler which is saying a lot you know like that's that's like you know you can't like that's like hitler is 10 and he's going to 11 you know he's turning his amp to 11 and you know he's even he's bar like you know hail hydra you know hail hail hitler Heil Hydra, uh, even their salute is 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 the is Double. the Heil. It's it's just yeah. it's just doing it twice, and you know the uniforms are very much the similar. It's, it's I don't want to say it's so much the ideas of you know supreme like race and 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 Aryans and stuff like that. Like it's it's not anything like that, but it's more just we want power and this is how we're going to do it. So. And and what better way to achieve power is by literally decimating every single one of your enemies and striking fear into those that survive, and so it, it, especially with an with uh, with a weapon that had not been utilized before, right? And and Something we did seemingly more powerful than the atomic bomb. And right before this moment, we did like this is when Howard Stark is kind of experimenting with just like a tiny fragment of this of this energy and he gets like whipped back and he even says you know i'm the most br- like humble brag like i'm the most brilliant inventor of the modern era and i've never experienced anything like this i've never seen anything like this and i think that's telling as well and that's where i kind of thought that this is where like the manhattan project was going to go like alternate history fallout it's not so much you know taming the atom it's taming whatever occult power that they have here and i thought instead of you know and that would have been a really interesting dynamic. Maybe it happens, but I feel like not. Is that, you know, instead of, you know, they kind of take the technology, they take the plan that Red Skull was going to do, and they use it, except on a smaller scale, against, you know, uh, Hiroshima, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that happens. Does I'm not, I, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, dive into any of that with you. Okay. At this time. <laughs> and, Pick, picking up what you're putting down, but um. So and this again, this plane is huge, and the CGI does not work for me here. When we get this pan in, and it's he's very clearly standing on a green screen, and like this monster, you know, like it looks like a it looks like a stealth plane, except it's like times a thousand, and which also it just it, it's unbelievable. And this is you know the comic book movie. It's we're in this lair under the mountains where there's this, you know, to the nth degree feet of runway for this plane to take off on and then to have this high speed chase on. And it just, it, it, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. And, and not so much in a good way. Like it's not fantastical. It just feels right. artificial. Yes. So uh, we get this chase of, you know, the plane starts taking off. Uh, we they're storming they're storming the port essentially you know people are getting vaporized blah blah, blah going back back and forth both ways 
Um, Which is cool to- too, by the way, because you, you even brought it up when we said Iron Man. People are dying. Like it's not, you know, we're seeing people getting vaporized and we're also seeing people get, and throughout this whole movie, we've seen people get shot and hit and punched and burned and all of these things that, you know, some, it, it's, it's just another element to add to this. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And so getting back, plane takes off pretty much, Peggy and, and Steve, they have made up, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they get in the car, t- hightailing after this plane. Right before Steve jumps off, Peggy plants one, plants one on him and essentially is just like, come back. And I'm like, okay, I really dig that kiss. I knew it was coming, but I, I do. I'm glad it happened here. <laughs> and so, you know, he jumps on to the plane. Uh, the car doesn't fall off the edge, like just barely. And... And then we get this whole sequence in this action sequence inside the plane. Essentially it's an aircraft carrier for, it's a plane aircraft carrier. Right. And, and so this is something that I'm going to ask you. So were these bomb? were they supposed to be dropped bombs or were they going to be like kamikaze pilots where they, they flew these planes into the cities because each one had like a major U S city and then pilots ran into them and Steve like dispatches the pilots. So were they supposed to be like kamikaze pilots? Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I don't really know um, one way or another. And I don't, it's really, I don't think it's that important either how they were gonna, you know, dis, you know, destroy these cities. We just know that it was gonna happen. Okay. Or attempting I, to happen. Yeah, it's just, it's a minor no, plot it's a, point. No, it doesn't really question. matter. But, um, so, but we do get, like, I think the CGI does work here. Like, when, you know, Captain Captain America jumps onto a plane, and it goes out, and he starts, you know, it's this, uh, like, top, it's this comic book top gun. When they start, you know, doing barrel rolls to try and lose Captain, he gets the guy out of... Again, punches and, his way in. <laughs> yeah, literally punches his way in, and then he takes control. And then, you know, I, I really was digging the whole, you know, flying through the sky, the the plane starts, you know, the automatic turret starts shooting back, and he just barrels his way back into the cockpit by just crashing his plane in there. So maybe it wasn't, whatever. And so, uh, and then we get, you know, the final confrontation between Red Skull and Captain America, you know, fighting back and forth. And I, I'm, I, I don't remember the, the in-between details, but I just remember that, you know, essentially Red Skull got too close to the sun and he gets like vaporized by his own create or by the his own creation, you know? Well, yeah, by the Tesseract. And um that's kind of the first glimpse we get as you know, you know where this whole thing is going. You just don't know how it gets there. Um the this is where we get our first glimpse at really this cosmic universe that, you know, this whole story is going to unfold within um, with Red Skull holding the Tesseract in his bare hand. And like you said, just getting vaporized. Which I did. I, I really did like that scene. It was him just getting like melt. It was like Indiana Jones, just, I know another World War II reference of just, you know, <laughs> Nazis being m- melted by pa- by power that they can't they they underestimated and can't comprehend. So you can't see what I'm doing, but um, I'm putting "melted" in air quotes and <laughs> "melted." You'll understand. Okay, 
Okay. Um, so that, I, I, is there anything else you want to add about that final confrontation before we move on to the ultimate sacrifice? No, I'm actually looking forward to getting to the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, because I, I think... have some uh, stuff I want to say about that. Okay, so we, so Captain uh, Steve, he he realizes. Okay, I have we have this huge thing, and it's 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 being targeted for for New York. You know, his one America, and then two his hometown, New York. So he has to. And I, I don't I don't think it's it's not autopilot, but he he deduces that he has to bring this down, like he has to bring the ship down, and that's actually where I draw my first problem is where did it that just seems so rushed that all of a sudden he's like I got to put it in the water. It's like well what caused you to jump to those conclusions? You know it feels like he didn't try anything else, look at anything else. I understand that the clock was ticking and he was like, I don't have time to figure this out, but it feels like there's, you know, in reality, there's a little bit more we could do in this moment to try to figure out an ulterior or or an alternative plan. And we just don't, we just have to buy the fact that Captain America is saying, Nope, it's too late. Got to put it in the water. And we just have to roll with that rather than at least, you know, explore other options. Yeah, no, it was, it was odd. Cause I was trying to think like, well, is the ship that he's flying? Is that, you know, the, the ultimate kamikaze or is it just isolated in those little ships? Like wouldn't this, I, I don't know. Like, cause it, it wasn't a, well, no one should have this technology. At least that's what I gathered. Like it wasn't like this is better left under the ground where no one can find it, you know? So yeah, that was like that was odd. That was pretty rushed. And then, you know, he calls Peggy and says, "Oh, I got, I got to take her down. There's no time." Uh, they have their, you know, their sweet moment back, their banter back and forth. Of you know, I got a date. Like we got to reschedule for that date. I need yeah. a rain check. Oh, uh, April something. I need you to be yeah, there. Which from today, eight o'clock, whatever. I am mm-hmm. expecting that to come back because I do know how like. I know how Captain's story ends at the way end. So I'm expecting that to come back. Okay. I don't know. But um, but this, at least this dance that they're going to have. And I'm probably will fanboy at that. Like, I'm, not, I, I, I'm expecting <laughs> by the end I'm going to be like, yes, that was awesome. Um, you know, listen in in like two, three, four weeks and you'll have your answer. But um, I'm expecting I am going to like their final dance when it will come because this this whole motif of finding the right dance partner has been super prevalent in this whole movie. And so, you know, I need, I'll see you next week at 8 o'clock sharp. Don't be late. Uh, I'm bad at dancing. I'm bad at dancing. I don't want uh, – it's like don't worry. Like I'll tell them to play a slow song. And then I don't want to – I don't want to step on your feet. But the line gets cut because that's when he brings it down into the water. And like that dialogue shouldn't work. But I think because Chris Evans and uh, and whoever – I'm sorry. I don't know the actress's name who plays uh, Peggy Carter. But they are selling – the acting of the moment you know yes and i agreed like chris evans like you can just hear the concern in his voice but you know he's such a good guy he doesn't want her to like he knows like there is not going to be next week but he's just keeping this alive for that much longer and i i really do like that moment of 
okay, like this is our last interaction with one another. Like they both know it. So now tell I, me, did the emotion, you know, he, we go through this whole song and dance about the song and dance. And then we, you know, he, he puts it down into the ice. Um, did the emotion hit for you there either? You know, like we, we talked about Bucky and the emotion didn't really hit. It just came out of nowhere. We talked about how this more or less came out of nowhere and it's supposed to be an emotional moment, but we also know Captain America's going to do the right thing. And if, when the opportunity is there, he's going to lay down his life without second guessing it. You know, this is again, supposed to be an emotional scene. And for me, it just doesn't really stick. For me, I, I think this works way more than Bucky, but I think it's because I'll, we spent I'll give you more, that much. I agree on that. We spent more intimate time with Steve, and I mean, he didn't really grow. As, I mean, <laughs> outside of physically growing, like as a character, he didn't really grow at all um, because I never questioned that he was going to like not sacrifice himself. If it was that dude that was the candidate uh like if let's say he kind of was made it through here which i'm surprised he didn't and it was him that said you know if if like the two of them went down and and said oh, okay like like cap like like steve instead of saying captain america it's like steve like i've learned a lot from you and i want to thank you we'll pilot this thing down together like that may have been a little bit better right but i never didn't think that he wasn't going to do something like this. So there, it wasn't much of an arc for him to say, oh, I'm going to sacrifice, like I'm going to sacrifice myself because he's done it countless times with, with no motivation outside of it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it, the scene, I think the scene worked for me more, but I kind of wish that the opening sequence that we didn't really touch upon, because I don't really, it's whatever they, they find the ship and, um, I think the movie would have been better without that opening scene in like modern day Iceland or wherever the hell he crashed this plane. Uh, so just backtracking that opening scene was them finding this plane like, Oh, he's been, we got to defrost him. He's been waiting long enough. I feel like yeah. the movie would have been, it, that scene would have been more impactful if we didn't know that. And we just cut immediately to the future where you you know something is is awry like you can't quite put it on there but you you're with captain we're like this is not right what's going on yeah okay that that's actually a really interesting note i I do like that take on this because i also i forgot how this movie started we we started with you know modern day technology in iceland or whatever it was and i'm like wait a second i was you know 90 percent sure this movie was from world war ii what's going on here and um you know then of course you know very quickly i figured out what was happening but i was like oh wow again another marvel movie that's over 10 years old that i totally for or almost 10 years old that i for totally forgot how we kicked it off yeah and just like imagine like i don't know if like i'm sure people were kind of like well how do we i mean not how do we like comic book fans would but just again the average moviegoer not knowing he's not not knowing that he's not an Avenger, but like not knowing necessarily that he's going to be in like the modern day. It's like, oh, how do like how do we get him here? I think mm-hmm. it would have been that much like that tiny tweak, that little rewrite of not having that opening sequence in modern day and finding him, and then having the back background. Like if we just started in like the Bron or the Brooklyn, New York. Or, with- well, um, with uh. Uh, Red Skull going after oh, yeah. the Tesseract. If we just started there. Yeah, if we just started there, 
just scrap that opening scene like and then like how how I think that would have elevated the movie just a tiny bit by he wakes up in a room like the plane crashes it sinks fade to black and then he wakes up in a room and it's like wait what and and then it's even he's like this isn't right well and I like the detail and we'll move into that scene now because I do like that detail of how he figures out something's awry yes so Jake, what happens in the sequel in this next scene when he wakes up? Yeah, he's laying in you know a bed, wakes up, and he, you could even see it already with his furrowed brow. Like he's a little confused about what's going on, and there's this baseball game playing in the background, and you know what a person comes into what is supposed to be dressed up like a hospital room or you know a 1940s hospital room. And he, uh, you know, he starts asking her questions and all of a sudden he's like, no, 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 this game happened in May, whatever. I know that because I was there. So tell me what's really going on. And she's like, well, captain, blah, 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 you know, trying to calm him. And he loses it, busts out and he, you know, he runs through a wall and he's in like this studio set almost where they're trying to make it look like, you know, with the giant portraits of New York City um from the 1940s they're trying to make it seem like he's in that era and then he you know he keeps running he runs out of the secret base and bam he's smack dab in the middle of Times square kind of awestruck standing around and this is actually the scene where i think the emotions that he's trying to convey and everything and that i'm supposed to feel really hit the hardest just because of his sheer confusion and what that must be like to be you know, asleep for, because, you know, Nick Fury shows up and says, Cap, you've been asleep for a while. It's been 70 years. And what that must feel like to all of a sudden wake up 70 years later and, you know, have that moment where everything hits you of nothing's the same. No one I love and know is around anymore. And all those emotions just surge at once. That's kind of one of the areas in this, or one of the times in this movie that really what we were supposed to feel hit me as well yeah i i i think this was more of like that shock of like wow like here we are and and i was happy that we were here and yeah that's and when you know nick fury i guess i mean i don't know if he shows up in iron man 2 because that came before this um and but i'm like oh yeah there's samuel l jackson like here here we go this is what's going to lead into you know the Avengers and everything uh, going into that. So yeah. And I guess that's like, that's kind of our movie, but do we, do you want to mention, I guess the, the post credit sequence or the, I, I mean, I wouldn't even call it a sequence. It's just, it's even, just a trailer for Avengers. Yeah. We, we don't even need this one because I'm pretty sure that that exact scene happens in the Avengers of him, you know, in the, in the boxing gym, hitting this punching bag and Nick Fury shows up. I'm pretty sure like that's a, that's just a cut and paste from the Avengers movie. Well, I um, think it's the trailer. Cause I watched this on Disney plus and like, it was that boxing scene. And then it's like next summer. And that's when I hit yeah, click. Yeah. That, that was pretty bad too. It was one of those, uh, that, you know, classic comic book movie cut quick cuts of all the heroes turning and looking and, yeah, I you know I'm sure back in 2011 I was like, oh my god, this is awesome, and now I'm like, oh oh gosh, 
Yeah, um, I, I, the moment it said next summer, I just hit click and I didn't watch the rest of it because <laughs> we still have a bunch more movies before we get to Avengers. Get to so Avengers. I was like, okay, if it's just yeah. going to watch, if it's just the Avengers trailer, I don't give a shit. I'm not going to watch this. Well, we have, what do we have left? We've got Chronological Order. We've, we've got um, Captain Marvel and Iron Man 2 and Thor, I think. And Hulk. So four more and then we get the Avengers. Okay, yeah, so I definitely was like, ah, I don't need to watch this. I don't care. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's kind of our movie. Um, do you have any more, uh, I guess, not closing thoughts, but just kind of, do you have another take on the movie after watching it for, for this time before we get into closing thoughts? I, no, not really. I, I knew what the, and maybe I'm jaded. Maybe, you know, uh, I have never had the highest opinion of this movie. And now I won't let myself have a high opinion of this movie just because of um, how I've seen it for the past almost 10 years, but you know, nothing more jumped out at me. I think there's a couple little minutia things here and there that I was like, Oh, okay. There's how those threads connect and whatever, but you know, no new big revelations from watching this one. I think the only thing that I really, as I mentioned before, redefined and reassessed was how I felt about, you know, this this feeling we have of Captain America when he's skinny versus when he's this muscle bound, you know, hunk of a man. Yeah, and I guess I, I can I I can start with my like closing thoughts and like final recommendations and stuff. Yeah, I, I'm glad I watched this movie. I'm, I'm glad I finally got around to it. Like I said, I'm, I'm a big World War II guy. Uh, I, I love films from that era. I love heroes from that era. And I just love like those stories just in general, whether it be real life, fictional, superhero or not. And I, I am glad, I, like I said, that I finally got around to this. And I can see where you were saying that this this isn't people's like most favorite or one of their favorite uh, MCU films. And that it's just kind of there. And it's, 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 it's a prerequisite that you need to set up for the Avengers. Cause you can't just have, you know, the captain show up and not like everyone else get these extensive backstories and not the captain, especially for the plan that they have for him in future movies. Like, I think that we need this setup that he is this, he starts off as this goody-goody and he's just the ultimate hero, the, the, the knight in shining armor, the white knight, and where he goes as a character. I think we had to go in that extreme. So I'm glad I watched it. Uh, I did enjoy it. And my uh, the CGI definitely was kind of, it was good in places and it was not so good in other places. Uh, it's still a very enjoyable movie. I think it's that's going to be all of these, I feel. So uh, I'll, I'll get into my final recommendation. I'm going to give Captain America, the first Avenger, a 7.5 out of 10. Very enjoyable movie. And I, the one thing that I was telling you offline, Jake, that I'll say here as well, at the end of every, uh, uh, at the end of every review, I'm going to rank the current order of how like my favorite to least favorite uh i know you mentioned last episode at the very end we'll start uh we'll, we'll pick our our favorite from our least favorite but i, I kind of want to do that as i go and just see like how things adapt and how, as i take it so like for, for right now uh since we only have two movies it's going to be pretty <laughs> pretty easy uh iron Quick man list. 
Iron Man is number one, and I'll I'll, I'll do this the the ratings I had as well. So Iron Man at number one at an eight point five, and Captain America: The First Avenger at number two for right now with a seven point five. I also want to say that as this goes on, I'm sure that some movies may place higher on the numerical scale, but not be higher on the favorite list. Uh, I I think that I like I'm predicting that some of these movies. I will be like, this is a fantastic movie. I'll give it a really great rating, but it's going to end up like not in my top five uh, or top 10. I mean, not even so much that there's so many to choose from. It's just, you know, sometimes I can objectively say like, this was a really good movie and I enjoyed it, but it's not at this point. So just going forward, that's something that I would like to do, but uh, yeah, just reiterating Captain America, the first Avenger 7.5 out of 10 for Mike. So Jake, what about your closing thoughts and final recommendation? Sure thing. Um, I'm, I'm act. I'm, I really like now this uh, ongoing list that you have of, you know, how they're ranking. Of course, it's only two, but uh, it, it's still, I really am going to enjoy this idea of seeing how, how they all factor in and develop uh, as we go. Um, you know, closing thoughts. I, I think with this movie for me, it's probably going to be my lowest rated and I'm just trying to do a quick, you know, run through my brain of all of them. I think of all the Marvel movies, this is my least favorite, if not, you know, close to being my least favorite. Um, and I think one of those reasons is, as I said in the last episode, um, when I watch a movie, I want to see how immersed I am and how much I forget where I am and just I'm into what's happening in front of me. And unfortunately, this movie's just never been able to do it for me. You know, um, there's times where I'd, so to speak, look at my watch and go, oh, wow, this is still going on. And it's not to say it's a bad movie. It's just not as immersive and as enjoyable as the Marvel movies that I'm used to. So with that being said, I actually rated this, as, like I said, pretty low in terms of probably my overall Marvel hierarchy. Um, I put it at a six, uh, six and a quarter, six two five. Um, and that's simply like, as I said, I I could be a little jaded and I could know the grandeur and spectacle that all the other movies have now. Um, but even back in the day when I first saw this, it, uh, it didn't leap off the page to me and it still doesn't as you know, you alluded to it's, it feels like it's there because it has to be there. Um, cause it wouldn't make sense if it wasn't. And um, luckily my opinion of him only goes up from here. Um, but that's, uh, that's kind of the extent of it. I also, I forgot to point it out again. Uh, our Stan Lee cameo <laughs> came when, um, Captain America was getting his, uh, like medal of valor ceremony. And, uh, Stan was sitting as like a general in the, uh, in the audience. And he goes, Oh, I thought he'd be taller than that. When the other guy runs out to say cap's not here. Yeah. Um, which was actually really kind of strange because he's so such the good guy and doing what needs to be done. And he's going to skip out on this one thing, but I could also see it in the other lens of, you know, there's work to be done and I've got people to save. So I don't have time for this. Like I'll mail me the medal. I'll I'm busy. Um, but no, yeah, six, six, two, five is kind of where I'm ending up with this one. And it'll probably be one of the lowest ratings for a Marvel movie you get out mm. of me. Okay. Uh, I'm interested because I, I, like I said, I'm having some predictions that I have ideas of some movies that I might give a low recommendation. Also, I do, I think I like the idea that we should give 
uh, we should like right after all of both of our um, our recommendations, we like, oh yeah, and the Stan Lee cameo was this, and like we cap off the review with the Stan Lee cameo. I'm good with that. Okay, I'll save so, it to the end from here on out. All right, perfect. Sounds good because I I I've also been, well, it's 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 pretty easy to see the the cameo. Uh, I know, like in the first Spider-Man movie, the Raimi Spider-Man, it was just like you blink and you miss it. But yeah. now it's like they almost like draw a big arrow over him and say, "Stan, and here Lee, he is. Stan's Stan right like, here." Like he almost like looks into the camera, smiles, uh, nods, and winks, and then like the camera pans by. You know, like it's so yeah. blatant. And I'm, 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 and I'm expecting them to get even more blatant as the movies go on. And I'm, and I want nothing less than that. I want them to get more ridiculous. I think um, there's actually one movie where it's pretty like um minuscule and the movie that it happens in you're you're gonna be pretty surprised how little of like a as you said like an arrow point like here he is here he is happens in this movie um and i'll I'll, you know we'll leave that the way it is right now and i'll see if you uh if you pick up on it when the time comes but actually the one question i wanted to ask you was do you kind of understand now why I said it might be better to lead off with Iron Man <laughs> than Captain America, the first Avenger? Yeah, I, I, I do see your point. Um, it's also, but it's also one of those things like I am, since Iron Man, I mean, we only had two, but Iron Man, I had such a strong reaction to Iron Man. Not to say that I didn't have a good reaction to this, but like that was such, like listen to the episode, anyone, and you, you can see like I had such a really good positive reception to that that I was like, okay, like I'm comparing you against the thing that kicked it all off. Um, but I, I definitely think that starting with Iron Man was pro- was, was definitely the, the better move and then moving into uh, Captain America. Because I, I think I would have enjoyed this movie, but it's also, I have nothing to compare it against. Like I have like a random Marvel movie here or there, but I probably been like, oh yeah, that was fun. But definitely I can see your point, especially after seeing Iron Man. Okay, just you know, just wanted to check, make sure I wasn't way off base. But no, 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 no. no. Like you... I said, I think any like real Marvel fanboy, fangirl could, you know, hear that and be like, "All right, that makes sense." Yeah, no, I, I definitely think you had something there. But uh, Jake, is there anything else before we uh, get going? I think I'm all good, Mike. I, you know, like I said, I'd, I'd recommend this movie any day of the week, but it's, it's not in my, probably not in my top fifteen. All right. Well, I guess with that, guys, that concludes this episode of Amateur Altours. As always, thanks for listening. And once again, you can follow us on Twitter at Altours Pod. Email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at the Amateur Altours Podcast at gmail.com. And if you could, just leave a rating, like, review, anything like that on any uh, platform you listen to the show on would be much appreciated. But until next time, everyone, Jake, we'll see you then.